Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we learn about the letter H and talk about Ace Ventura without Jim Carrey. We also took on the mockumentary series American Vandal and go another round of series survival. It's time for Categorized. That's right, it's another week of the greatest segment that... It's not the greatest segment, it's a good segment and it's categorized. It's a very good segment. It is the letter H and the movies that start with the letter H. And we're going to talk about our five absolute favorites and then we have to pick one from the ten we talk about. So, Ivana, do you have your H movies? Of course I have my H movies. What kind of question is that? And we're getting like into... The middle of the alphabet. This is kind of exciting. I always associated the middle with like K. Yeah, J, K, L, that's the real middle. But we're getting there. We're getting close to those letters. All right. So I'm going to kick us off because I think that's what I do. And I'm starting with Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Interesting. Uh Now... I'm not going to lie, I also looked up a Harold and Kumar film, but then it wasn't It wasn't Harold and Kumar, it was a very Harold and Kumar Christmas, so that didn't count. That's a V, you can't do that one. Exactly, so, that, so no Harold and Kumars made it to my list. Why is Harold and Kumar on your list? All right, as you know, I am not the biggest like pot smoker that, that you know. I partake like once a year, maybe, because it usually puts me to sleep. What? I feel like even once a year is stretching it. It's like maybe you've tried it once. Oh, (laughs) come on now. Come on now. Not just (laughs) once. Uh, But Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle is one of those guilty pleasure movies that always has me coming back. Even though I'm not like a big stoner or uh, pothead or anything like that, I always come back to Harold and Kumar. I think it's, you know, Cal Penn and John Cho and their chemistry – I always, anytime this is on, I stop and watch it. I don't know too many people who don't love this series. I, You know what? I, I got to say I do agree with you. I really, really like the whole Harold, Harold and Kumar series. I, I'm almost surprised that I like the movie as much as I do. Um, they're charming. And I don't think you need to be a stoner to enjoy it because it's just this really fun, really random adventure. I'm pretty sure it kicked off... Um, the guy who is in How I Met Your Mother, what's his name again? Neil Patrick Harris. Thank you. Yes, they reinvigorated Neil Patrick Harris's career, um, which is funny because it was just a silly, small, you know, cameo. And yet he did such a great job that everyone around him was like, yes, you are such a good actor. We need to put you in more things. And and I still watch this movie a lot, too. It, it is a really great movie. It's a great choice. What is your, what's your first one that's on your list? Obviously, we will pick our favorite at the end, but you got to have a, a, a first one. Yeah. So, okay. The first one on my list is actually Home Alone. Yeah, Home Alone didn't make the cut. So for me, Home Alone is maybe one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Uh, I'm not a big Christmas movie fan. For the most part, I don't really like them, but I really like this movie. I find myself often going back to it. It's always a pleasure to watch. It's definitely for children, you know. Totally for kids. But I also think it's a really good children's movie, and it's really funny, and it's really fun, and... That moment when he put on the aftershave and then had that face. I mean, that's still being parodied to this day. It's iconic. And so that is a big reason why this movie is still on that list is I think that it did something special and it it 
created a place in film history that it's worthy of, even though it's just a kid's movie and just a fun, silly kid's movie. So in 1990, went to see Home Alone with my brother and my parents. Is that when it came out, 1990? Yep. And when we came back, uh, you know, we, we saw it right before Christmas. So it was cold in Canada. And uh, we, my brother and I, we were going to ward off any burglars that were going to come to our house. So what we did is we iced <laughs> down our driveway and we put... Really? You did that? Oh, yeah. And we put micro machines on the staircase. <laughs> so what ended up happening was my mother broke her wrists that Christmas because we are assholes. <laughs> I mean, I think there's probably a lot of parents out there who hate this movie because their kids were <laughs> kids when they watched it. Totally, totally. But you were so impressionable when you saw it. Like, it, it does hold some magic for children. You're right about it being a kid's movie. It, it holds something special for them. Let's talk about the next one on my list, which is, of course, a scary movie, and that is Halloween. It is, I'm assuming it's on your list. It's not on my list. Halloween is not on your list. The original Halloween. Oh, my God. So I believe it's 1978. Jamie Lee Curtis is not an anything to anybody. And she comes on the screen as the Scream Queen in this John Carpenter film. One of the most successful independent movies of all time. And it sparked this enormous franchise of Michael Myers. But I argue that it is still not only the best of the Halloweens. It's still the scariest of all the Halloweens, even oh. though it's from 1978. I would argue that against I anyone. Think I would trust you with that. I, I would agree that, to me, that is the scariest of all, all the Halloweens. Was that movie, like, did she actually get the title of Scream Queen after that movie? Well, she did that, then she did Prom Night, and she did one other thing, and then she got, like, deemed the, the Scream Queen because of it. Right. I, w I will say, like, there's something about John Carpenter, how every frame you think something will happen. And, I, I, you know, a lot of filmmakers, they try to mimic this because it's such an effective thing in a horror movie. And um, when I watch it, I, I'm always like, oh, man, I know that nothing is going to happen, but it feels like something should be happening in this scene. Um, right. And I, I, I love I love that technique. And it uh, to this day is still my favorite horror movie of all time. Of all time? Of any other horror movie? Not the scariest movie I've ever seen. Just my favorite horror movie. Wow. Next on my list uh, is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. <gasps> you rascal. That is my favorite of them. Yeah, that's my favorite of them. It's my favorite of the books, too. And it's my favorite of the movies. Um, but and most people go Prisoner of Azkaban or they go uh, Goblet of Fire or maybe sometimes like Deathly Hallows. I I think there's a lot of love for the Half-Blood Prince that people kind of skip over. It's one of the first times we see Daniel Radcliffe kind of funny, which yeah. I love. There's a lot more of that integral love Hogwarts stuff going on. Which and he's kind of growing up, too. You watch him grow up in this movie. He feels grown up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it made me cry. It's the only one of them <gasps> that made me cry. It made you cry? What scene? Do you remember? Oh, when Dumbledore dies. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, what could it? Oh, yeah, yeah, that scene. Right, the, the big scene. I remember, I mean, it didn't make me cry as much as the book. When I read the book, I, I had to stop reading 
and I was done for the day and I was just spent a day in mourning. I don't think that anything made me so upset. Great pick. It's not on my list, but great pick. All right. What's your next one? Uh, I'm going with Hot Fuzz. The That's Edgar on my Wright. list. Well, we have one. That's good. So yeah, Hot it's... Fuzz, Edgar Wright. It's not my favorite Edgar Wright movie, but it's definitely one I go back to a lot. Me too. And I, I, I love Edgar Wright's comedy. I love how he uses editing to pronounce every joke. And he he is like a master of the visual style comedy that nothing can be happening and you're laughing because it's so funny. Yes, I completely agree. I also, I really like this story for Hot Fuzz. You're right. It's not my favorite. I think Shaun of the Dead is my favorite. Totally. But it's really a close second and it is a great, great movie. So funny. Just the interplay of this super cop in this town where nobody seems to care or think that there's even murders going on and and having this like partner who's a doofus, I just... I really liked it. I thought it was so funny. And it's such a great send up of those cop movies that are so over the top because then at the end, even though it's a sleepy little town, you get this massively amazing cop sequence that you're like, ah, this is so awesome and hilarious at the same time. It's like big, big city cop movie action styles married with the small town charm and married with the tons of cop comedies that have existed. It really brought something new to the idea of a cop comedy. And what's great about it is he lets all the characters mellow over the course of two acts and he like introduces them all over and over and over so that when you get that final battle, there's a payoff after a payoff after a payoff of great jokes because you've grown with these characters for almost an hour and 20 minutes at this point and now it's like all blowing up and you're like, oh my God, but that person was this and that person was that and it's it's i love that film it's such a good film so next up for me we're gonna get into a weird thing where we've switched because two are the same is uh the hangover okay it did not make my list why did it make yours it didn't make your list no 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 it was a hard one to keep off but i i there was one more that i really wanted to put on so honorable mentions for hangover wow okay um no for me hangover uh it was so funny. I saw it in theaters. I wasn't expecting that much. I was just, I really like comedies. And so I'm like, oh, and, and they're better seen in movie theaters when you get the laughter of everyone else around you. At that point, I didn't know any of the actors except for Ed Helms. And so for me, everyone was new. And now all of them are like the cream of the crop, A-list. They did, it took one movie in the whole world stood up and said, who are these people? It's it's one of those movies that hinges so much on not knowing what happened. Yeah. You know, like, like it hinges so much on not giving you a plot that a plot finds its way into the film. And I mean, we were just talking about payoffs with Hot Fuzz, but that payoff of an ending where you're going through the credits and you're seeing the photos, that might be one of the funniest parts in the film. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this summer alone, we had two female-driven comedies that felt very much like nods to The Hangover. And I'll be honest with you, not that I'm saying that they're bad, they don't don't come near Hangover status. And as you're watching them, you're kind of watching thinking, ugh, this is like The Hangover, but with girls. To me, I don't like that. I don't like 
the concept of this is this, but with a female cast. Whereas Bridesmaids, I think, is a good example. That just was funny on its own. I find there's more movies now being made that are like copying Bridesmaids because like Girls Trip and Rough Night. I always feel like, oh, but I guess you're right. Like they're kind of not doing the Bridesmaids model. They're doing the Hangover. Yeah, they're doing the Hangover model. Both those movies are exactly the ones I was talking about. Um, I've, I saw Rough Night in theaters. I was excited for it because of the crazy A-list cast. And I think that's maybe part of the charm of The Hangover 2. These people were not A-listers. Right. That made the movie that much more of a surprise. Everything about that movie was all about surprising you. And so, and that was the success of it. And so now any copycat movie isn't going to hold a candle to it. Just like every sequel of The Hangover sucked. I don't think I saw the third one. But the second one was so bad, I couldn't watch the third one, so. That's how sequels work. That's it. Yeah, If you don't like it, don't go to the next one. What's your next one? All right. Uh, That's a lot of talk about The Hangover. Let's move on to A History of Violence. I've not seen that. A History of Violence is one of my favorite movies. It's uh, Viggo Mortensen. He's basically an old mob guy who's trying to hide out. And and, and in his hiding, he has a family and a child. And, uh, you know, he runs a coffee shop in small town America. And then all of a sudden, this crazy thing happens. And he gets on the news. And all these people from his old life start showing up knowing, we know what you did. You're the rat. And you're going to die. And it's such, you know, a lot of people would then just like build a big action sequence around that, but they don't. They show the deconstruction of that moment and how it affects his family, how his family is affected by these people coming back in. There's so much drama. And I, you know, people don't give Cronenberg enough credit for adapting this, this graphic novel. It's beautiful and i i just absolutely love a history of violence i don't know why you haven't seen it yet i don't know either can i ask a question is it a part of the movie where you don't know if he's a rat or not no 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 you find out like he's been in the witness protection because he he sold people out okay so that's like right from the beginning no you find that out like about 20 minutes into the film after the after the incident happens and then, like, all the mob guys are like, oh, we know where he is now. Nice. So his family is finding out as you're learning more about his past. Which I feel like I spoiled a little for you, but I don't know how you haven't seen the film. Also, I don't mind spoilers. I know that it's a strange thing, but, like, I'm just cool with it. Because I want to see how the story unfolds. I don't really care what the detail, like, what the end result is. And there's a great sex scene in it. I I. It's like, it's fantastic. Well, what happens in the sex scene? You can't leave it like that. You have to talk a little bit about it. Now you're going to get excited and you're going to go watch the movie as your late night movie. What about all our listeners? No, it's going to be Halloween tonight. Like that's decided. That's (laughs) happening. (laughs) Our listeners can go and do that after they finish the podcast as well. And then you will know what a crazy ass amazing sex scene it is. Okay. Just for anyone listening to this podcast, can you please on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on whatever, reach out to us and just like tell us how disappointed you are, if you're disappointed, obviously, that <laughs> By Jay the sex scene? brought up the fact that there was a great sex scene in a movie and then refused to go into more details. 
I just want I want him to know how much it affects people. I think people will be like, I've seen the movie. Great sex scene. <laughs> All right, okay. what else you got on your list? All right, the last one, and you're going to laugh because it's kind of similar to one of them, is uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. What the shit, man? Two Harry Potters? Two Harry Potters. Uh, I mean, the first one, it's obviously it's the first one. Um, you have a really young Daniel Radcliffe. It set the stage for all of these movies, and it was so impressive. I rarely, like rarely, rarely, rarely watch movies after reading books and still enjoy them. And uh, I really still enjoyed this, so. I don't know. I think I think you can say like Harry Potter as a whole, you're obsessed with and you love and want on your list. Fair. I mean, I have some honorable mentions I could put on the list, I guess. I bet they're already there. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Harry Potter and the Goblet no, of Fire. No, these Harry are the Potter only two the Harry Potters that I put into my list at all. My honorable mentions, though, are it just these two movies won out over them. All right, what's your next one? All right, my last one is High Fidelity with our boy John Cusack. That was one of my honorable mentions. Like, literally, that was the very next honorable mention that I would have had if it wasn't for the two Harry Potters. At the point in my life when I saw High Fidelity for the first time, I was going through this crazy breakup with this girl. But we're cool now. Like, Maya, we're cool now, if you're listening to this. But she, like, you know, found love on a school trip or some crap like that. Anyways, um, (laughs) I was really depressed about it like i went into heavy metal mode dyed my hair black didn't care if i bumped into people in the subway wait a minute you dyed your (laughs) hair black at a certain point i've seen your hair bleach blonde but bleach blonde black blue i think at one point it was orange yeah it was a mental case (laughs) but i Went over to a buddy's house. I'm like, I'm going to put on high fidelity. It's going to make me feel better. And when the movie was over, I was like, well, there you go. And he goes, that was the worst movie you could watch after a breakup. Because literally they get back <laughs> together at the end of the film. And I was like, uh, oh, you're right. But like, also, it's all about a breakup. And he's like, oh, it's a great movie. But you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like that movie. John Cusack is so good at these like rom-coms that aren't traditional. Like he's not doing the formula. It's not the classic sort of bride wars type comedy, like rom-com it's, it's a real, he picks these really great movies that happen to be funny and also be about love. I couldn't agree more. Like John Cusack, if you like him, you really like him. I also think that this movie introduced, at least in my life, the top five list. And I started making top fives for everything. Obviously, mostly about movies. But I think that was where that started. Like, I saw the movie and I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to make some top five lists. Like, this is who I am as a person now. And it's contagious. I just want to say that because... I was never a person who made top 10, top five lists, but throughout our friendship, you've always previously been like, oh, well, what's your top 10 this? And what's your top this? And what number is it on your list? Over the past couple of years, especially now that we do this, now that we track overall throughout the year, the top movies and television, it's it's addictive. Like I find it really fun. It's becoming a part of my identity now too. And so, 
I like to be able to say I this is sitting at number one on my list. Like, yeah. I like when somebody asks about a movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, top 10 for sure. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's in my top 10 for sure. And they're like, well, how many have you seen? I'm like, 50. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. Like, it's really easy. You realize where movies actually sit in your favorites list once you start stacking them against each other. I love it. Uh, so, so now we have to make a choice. I, mine's easy. I'm going Halloween. It's my favorite horror movie, and it is definitely my favorite on this list. So very simple for me. I'm going Halloween. Is it bad that I never choose a favorite? You never choose it? ahead of time. Never. I think it's more fun this way. <laughs> it's also it's just, the conversation helps to fuel my decisions. I know. If I if I really talk up a movie, I can I can sway your vote. <laughs> All right. Uh, for me, it's The Hangover. The Hangover. Oh, my God. That is a surprise. Yeah, I really love The Hangover. It's really rewatchable. It did something new. And now there's a whole bunch of really bad copies out there. But that original, that original is worth it. I love it. I love how we get down to the nitty gritty here. Happy Thanksgiving, Ivana. Eh, kind of. Now that I'm in the U.S., it's no longer oh my, my God. Thanksgiving. That's right. Uh, okay, so this weekend I'm going home for Thanksgiving. You are not going home. No, and and I th- the parents are understanding, I think, but not happy. Well, my parents don't really care because they're European, but Blake's parents, they have, a, you know, a standing tradition. And I think that everyone was quite sad to learn that I was going to steal away their son and we weren't going to do Thanksgiving this year. But are you going to go home for Christmas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely go home for Christmas. You got to watch your movie. Absolutely. Your There's the Day Christmas movie. Day movie. But more than that, we also have a wedding on New Year's. So, you know. A wedding on New Year's? Like New Year's Day? Or like New Year's Eve? New Year's New Year's Eve. That's a great idea. Yeah, I kind of like it because now I have plans and they're fun plans. And they're like, like good plans. Yeah, exactly. Like not just let's chill at home. I, I I did clubbing once. That was the worst idea ever. That's the worst way to spend your New Year's. What are you oh, talking about? When we were younger, you, you and I went clubbing all the time. I love clubbing, but not for New Year's. I've only done it for New Year's once. And it's the worst. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Because it is one of those holidays where you'd rather just stay home. But yeah. the idea of having a wedding that night, everybody wants to go to the wedding and have a good time. That is, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, and there's going to be dancing and you get to dress up and celebrate love. I, I don't know. I think it's great. I think it, a New Year's wedding is fantastic. New Year's wedding. Hmm. Wonder if I can talk Becky into a New Year's wedding. That would be so fun. You should. <laughs> Becky, I think we should get married on New Year's Eve. Mmm. Reboot rumors. Ew. <laughs> I don't know. It's always with that whip. It always freaks me out. Who is that again? That's Leslie. The very talented Leslie Siler. Listen, I love Leslie. I just, it freaks me out. I think she has the best bedroom voice that has ever existed in all of time. I'm not going to argue with you, but the whip. It's the whip. I am not down with the, the, the 50 shades. So this is, it creeps me out. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of Fifty Shades. But we are not here to talk about the Fifty Shades, and thanks for telling me a little weird things about you, Ivana. We are here <laughs> to talk about Reboot Rumors, 
And this one isn't in IMDb yet, which is a good thing because it means it is still actually a rumor. Yeah, we've got two actual rumors that we're going to talk about. Take us through this. The first one is Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Without Jim Carrey. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. He might do a cameo, but it's not going to be Jim Carrey as the pet detective. And It's like a full-on reboot. Full-on reboot. Like, let's make pet detective with someone else. Um, and I mean, maybe who knows, because it's still very much in development. They don't have a script yet. There's not even a firm, like, yes, we're making this, but there are lots of rumors in the trade magazines that talk about the fact that it's definitely on the table. It's definitely being shopped around. I love Ace Ventura because of Jim Carrey, but is it really a good property? Like, is the movie actually any real good? Anything that's made a lot of money is potentially going to be making a lot of money again. Sure, with the success of It, you know, the, they took this well-known story and they put it on the screen and everybody and their dogs have come to see it. I think a lot of people are going to go, you know what? There's a lot of good material out there. Let's just do it again. Now, here's the problem. Is it possible to do this movie without Jim Carrey's talent, his face? Like, I, I think you're right. Is, is the movie that good if you don't have Jim Carrey? I'd really like to see another newcomer on in a comedy and be like, I don't know who that guy is. And he's fantastic. I just don't know who that person is. I agree. I think with this kind of movie, anyone who we've already met, isn't going to cut it. It's got to be someone new, someone we haven't seen before, because unless you have someone who is as good as Jim Carrey at the time that he did that, I don't see how it's happening. We also have a second reboot rumor for you. It's a little bit older, but it's still really good. And that is Big Trouble in Little China with The Rock seems to be moving forward. Right. It's still not on IMDb, so this is not confirmed, but... The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, really loves this movie and he wants there to be a reboot. And it sounds like John Carpenter, the original director, is on board. Yeah, exactly. And um, so I think that we're we're kind of in an interesting place because this is an older movie. Have you seen that movie, by the way? I have. I am of the way, 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 way minority of it's not a great movie. Oh, yeah, because people on the internet, upon this rumor hitting, the fans of this movie just blew up. They were so angry. They they said, this is not a movie that you can reboot. It's a really, really strange flick. Um, I totally understand the appeal. If you have a nostalgia attached to the film, I didn't see it when I could grow nostalgia for the film. And when I finally did see it, I was like, I don't see what everybody else sees. It's Kurt Russell and John Carpenter, which is never, like, it's not not interesting to watch. Like, he is a fun, I'll always watch Kurt Russell. I'll watch Kurt Russell to the end of time. Really? I will. He's so dynamic. I like watching him. Um, But I don't think the film overall really, like, is anything special. Okay. And you haven't seen it. I've never seen it. And and to be honest, I think that they should remake this movie. And I think they should remake it with The Rock. Because I, I haven't seen it. And I don't... There's a lot of movies on my list of things that I really want to see that I haven't seen. 
Um, Half Nelson came up as one of them just in looking at H movies. I was like, ah, shit, yeah. I think I started it one time and I never finished it. And Exact same thing with me with Half Nelson. I, I haven't seen the ending. Yeah, and and so I don't know. I thought at the end of the day, I have a lot of other older movies that I'm more interested in seeing than Big Trouble in Little China. Totally. So I think they should remake it because it's just not a classic enough movie. I get that it's cult. I get that people love it. But for the average person, I don't think that it is, it hasn't, it's not legendary enough that it should be left alone. It is definitely a cult classic. So what you're saying is that you would actually watch this movie if it came. Yeah, I kind of would prefer it to get remade so I can just watch the new one. Okay, and I would be in the unique position, like I'm not a fan of Blade Runner, and everybody in the world wants me to go see the new Blade Runner movie, and I'm like, why would I see it? I didn't like the original. There's no reason for me to go see another one of these. Same exact thing with Big Trouble in Little China. Didn't resonate with me the first time. I'm not going to go see it again. And especially with Blade Runner, um, I've been meaning to watch the original Blade Runner. And I've even put it on while like cleaning and stuff. But it's a movie I think you have to pay attention to because I didn't get any of it. I've tried three times with that movie to be like, okay, this is the time. it's gonna. I'm going to get the magic. I don't understand why people love it so much. Like Alien for me took me a couple of times. And now I think it's one of the greatest films of all time. I, like, I found the magic in Alien. But the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, this is long and this is boring. But, like, the third time I saw it, because people were like, no, just give it another try. Third time was the charm for me. I was like, wow, okay. I missed all this. But I never got that with Blade Runner. But what do you think? Are you going to go see Big Trouble in Little China if it's remade? Or should they really find the right person before even considering doing an Ace Ventura? We'd love to hear from you. So let us know. This is Top Drawer TV. So last time we asked you to go on a little trip down American Vandal territory. It's a new Netflix mockumentary series. And um, I got to say, this is one addictive show because we only said watch the pilot. I, I binged the whole show in like a night. I It took me a couple nights, um, but... Mostly because it was late and Blake wanted to go to sleep and we were watching it together. So clearly we both liked it. This show is so great. So let's break down the premise. We're not going to break down the whole pilot episode, partly because we've now seen the whole thing and can't remember. Can't remember where the pilot ends. Yeah. (laughs) But But we won't tell you everything that happens because we did just ask you to watch the pilot. So let's start. It opens with a vandalism crime at a high school in Oceanside, which I guess is California. Right. And the style of everything that you're seeing is very much similar to making of a murderer. That's right. Except, who did the dicks? That's the crime. So the crime that took place is somebody vandalized all of the teacher's cars in a high school by spray painting dicks all across these cars. Plus, instead of having a grown-up investigating this, it's actually a high school student who is both a reporter and a filmmaker. So the school says we got who it is. We know the guy who draws dicks all over the school. It must be the same guy. So they go out and they expel this kid, Dylan, and say, yep, you're gone, peace out. And Peter, who is kind of the documentarian, from the school is saying, 
I got some doubts about this and goes into an in-depth analysis documentary series about how Dylan maybe isn't the person who did it. But maybe he is. So uh, Peter, who is doing this film with his friend Sam, um, they are actually investigating who did the dicks. Did Dylan do the dicks? Because there is actually a whole bunch of people who could have done the dicks. There was a, there's this guy who basically is the biggest liar in the entire school. He says that Sarah gave him a hand job at camp. And Nobody's let me just tell that. you, he is not a cool guy. Like, I hated him. He is not attractive in the least. Now, Sarah, Sarah's an attractive gal. Right. For a high and schooler. he is the person who basically caused Dylan to get expelled because he was the eyewitness and he said, I saw Dylan do the dicks. And they're like, yeah, he's super credible. So he's got to be right. But is he? So Peter goes into like a big thing with him. Could he be a liar? So that's sort of the first episode. Or maybe the second, because I don't remember if that was the first or second where that happened. (laughs) (laughs) So what, uh, so we obviously both liked the show. What was something you didn't like about the show? Oh man. Was there something I didn't like about the show? No. I mean, at some point, like, Peter even references cereal and how that was his inspiration. And I freaking loved that because he didn't reference Making a Murderer, which is also a Netflix series. He mentioned a podcast which clicked off all these television series. And plus, we do a podcast. And I was like, yes! When I realized that I just went on a tangent on something I liked. I can't think of a thing I didn't like. Not off the top of my head. Okay, so I think the thing I didn't like was... How obvious a mockumentary it is. Like, yes, mockumentaries are usually pretty obvious, but because there's not a lot of jokes, it took me half of the first episode to realize, oh, this shit is a comedy. What? Yeah, it took me half an episode to realize it was a comedy. No. It took me up to the point where they did the animated hand job on the dock <laughs> as like... <laughs> As like a demonstration to go, oh shit, this is a comedy. Really? I, the dicks. I thought it was real. I thought it was real. That's what, that's what made me like it so much more. It, it took itself really seriously. So I think that that also should be noted about this show is it's absolutely a comedy and it is hilarious, but not necessarily in a laughing out loud way. It's hilarious because it's, conceptually so funny like everyone is taking this as seriously as a murder but they're talking about like spray painting a bunch of dicks on some cars like and he's gonna go to jail he might go to jail for spray painting the dicks yeah because it presumably is twenty seven thousand dollars in damage because it costs a lot to get your car repainted and there was and 27 if you're asking cars. why why do we keep on calling it the dicks? Because that's what they call it all throughout the series. Which is another <laughs> reason why it's obviously a comedy. All these people taking the dicks so seriously. I mean, the breakdown, I don't know what episode this is on, and I really apologize to anyone, but when they go deep on the drawing style of the dicks, like 
Do you have a good mushroom head? Is there ball hair? How does that play into things? Are these dicks all drawn by the same person, almost as if you were doing like a handwriting analysis? I mean, it is so funny. It's so brilliant. They, You are staring at pictures of dicks for like 10 episodes or whatever it is, and nobody's laughing, and it's so funny. Yeah, everybody takes it very, very seriously. Uh, Peter gets into into the fun. Sam is having fun with Peter at a couple of points, like really like taking him to task. Um, then there's like a great buddy friendship rivalry. Oh God, it's a great. It it reminds me of high school. It reminds me of like how serious everybody takes every single thing in high school, even though it's not serious. Really, at the end of the day, high school is just high school, and like you move on with your life. But they didn't. Well, but when you're in high school. This Everything is, the, is so insane. This well, is the end of the world. This is the end of your world. Your world has never been that big before. You know, when you're a kid, your world is tempered by your parents. And in high school, for the first time, it becomes your world. So everything is the end of the world. And I mean, in this case in particular, you know, I mean, he can go to jail. Yeah, Dylan could go to jail. He, could, he also isn't going to go to college. He's, you know... There's a breakup. There's all kinds of shit going on in his life. Uh, I I can't say enough good things. I think it's eight episodes worth your time is what I think it is. Go and watch American Vandal on Netflix. Yeah, if you have not seen this, watch it. I loved it. So next week, we are going on with The Disaster Artist. We've been telling you we've been reading the book. And next week, when we record, we are going to be talking about that. So the next episode, you have better catch up so you can enjoy that segment with us. Obviously, there will be spoilers for the book. Um, I will probably say some things about the audiobook because that's how I'm listening to it. Me too. That's how I'm reading it. That's right. Because we're audiophiles and we do a podcast together. And everything, all of our information comes to us from audio somehow. Uh, so we're going to definitely talk about that next week. The Disaster Artist, we've been giving you four weeks heads up and actually got an extra week in there because we missed one. So uh, no excuses. Except, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to be a jerk about it if you didn't if you didn't actually read that. Also, we would have no way to know unless you came out and talked to us and told us, which you should do because, you know, like we really like hearing from you. Series Survival. Dun, dun, dun. Series survival. So, okay, we got to start this with we are recording this on October 1st. One of the series comes out on television tomorrow on October 2nd. It will have already aired by the time this episode airs. And that's totally our bad because we missed a week. So, you know. All right, let's get into it. We are horrible, horrible people. Because we have some predictions to make. And then in the spring, I get to win another round of series Shut survival. Shut up with that. You know that I am taking this one. This is all me. It's I have, always going to be I me. work in the industry. I know insider shit. I work in the industry too, granted in a different way. So I don't have the same insider knowledge that you do. But I still work right. in the Your industry. That's right. Your SAG card doesn't give you the inside scoop. <laughs> so... I think, though, I'm still going to win because I'm just better at predicting these things than you are. It is the X-Men Mutants Fox show, The Gifted, that comes out in a couple of days. I saw the trailer a while ago, and I don't know. I think I'm not going to watch this show. You're not going to watch this show? No, I don't think I'm going to watch it. But I also think 
It will be renewed. I also think it's going to be renewed. I am going to watch the show and, or at least I'll give it a shot. It reminds me a lot of Heroes. And I think there are a lot of fans of Heroes out there that are really going to resonate with this. And that's what's going to cause the renewal. Yeah, I I think so too. I think exactly that. I agree with you. That those people have been waiting on. Exactly. And the reboot of Heroes was a big disappointment to all those fans. That's definitely what the internet said. I think that it, it kind of fills in this void where maybe it's going to be better than the Inhumans because it seems like a little bit more of a grounded story. Yeah, no, 100%. I think the Inhumans, uh, even though we did that the other week, a couple weeks ago, and we both said it was going to be renewed... I think it's going to be dumpster fire and people will be jumping off of that to come and watch The Gifted, which will probably be a little more grounded. Um, yeah, I, I, I am with you, but uh, definitely both both renewed. Next up, we have the CW show Valor. This is a another military show. They really have a lot of military shows this year, eh? This year is all about their military shows. I mean, and that's pretty common, right? Somebody picks something up and all the other networks are like, oh, we got to get that too. Totally. So we have this, you know, two young, attractive pilots who, uh, you know, an incident happens and they go down in a helicopter and it comes up that like two of them survived the crash or did they? And they go home and they're all like shell-shocked out. At least the girl is. And basically all we're trying to do is figure out who is still alive and what's happening now. And the the trailer, you know what? It looked quasi-interesting, but I am not going to watch it because yet again, another military show. And I think this one will be canceled. Damn it. I agree with you. Um... Yes, I think this show is going to be canceled. Uh, The reason that I think this is going to be canceled is that it's the CW and it's too old a target market, in my opinion. That's not who watches the CW. That's a great call. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. This is for the 44-year-olds and they don't watch CW. No, exactly. And I mean, granted, when I turn 44, I'm sure I'll still be watching the CW because I feel like it's aimed at teenagers and yet it's still my favorite network. But, but you know, I, I think the target is wrong. Side note, the lead actor in this was just in a summer series called Blood Drive, which I really liked. And so I'm just going to plug that. I think everyone should take <laughs> some time and watch Blood Drive. It's like grindhouse awesome. And are you going to watch this show? No. All right. Okay. And our last show is a Netflix series. Uh, this one actually got me really jazzed. It's called Mind Hunter. I hadn't heard about it. And it is all about, I guess, the early days of the FBI and how they deal with serial killers. And I th- have a feeling it's like s- semi-historical. I don't know any of, if any of that is true. But the way that they presented it in this trailer makes you think, oh, this is based off, this is a fictional series based off of a real guy who did all this work in like the 70s, um, who really 
I would say, pioneered the social science of studying psychopaths. I know, and it looks so fascinating. I love the idea of going back in time, showing us this FBI guy who's who's trying to get into the heads of all these serial killers. It sort of has a Hannibal feel. Like, I don't know if this guy is going to start thinking like the serial killers, like sort of the way that uh, Hannibal worked their show. Right. But... Man, it looks good. And it looks like they're going to talk about a lot of the famous serial killers over the course of time in this show. I think we're going to get to meet like people playing these famous serial killers. And that's going to be really fascinating. I got a real sense of like if I was to do a mashup of Narcos meets Aquarius, which is not a Netflix series, although Narcos is, but Aquarius is a fictional series um, following fictional characters, but also some real characters uh, surrounding Charles Manson and all the people around him leading up. Interesting. It's really great. I started watching it this summer, and it's with David Duchovny, and so I get that. What? David Duchovny? Yeah, David Duchovny. And it's like season two. I'm in. How do I don't know about this show. A few. I'm like a few episodes into season two on it. Um, and so a lot of it reminds me of that because I have a feeling it's like fiction, but based in actual history, which is what that show does. This is going to be a really smart show. Don't get me wrong. You're going to have to pay attention when you watch it. It's going to get renewed. I mean, I also think it's going to get renewed. What a boring week. We're like agreeing on everything. Uh, it's also going to get renewed. I know. We're terrible. It's going to be renewed because it's Netflix and they almost don't do a second season for nothing. Like a show really has to be failing for them not to do a second season. Uh, so that is another week of series survival. We're starting to see a couple of uh, a couple of moving parts on a couple of our predictions. It looks like young Sheldon and the good doctor have both been given a full se- first season run, which is getting closer to that possible second season, which we both predicted. So it's going to be an interesting series survival this uh, this time around. And that's our show. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to tune in again next week. If you'd like to help us support the show, we'd really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop on iTunes or any podcast service you use. Give us a quick rating or review. This helps grow our little community here into something much, much bigger so we can talk about more stuff with you. Bensound.com is where we get our intro song from, so we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and our sound effects. And Ivana and I love hearing from you, so please don't be a stranger. You can reach us on our website, morethemovies.net. You can reach us on Facebook slash morethemoviespodcast. Email us at hello at morethemovies.net. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. And I'm at Jester J. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back next Monday with an all new episode. For real this time, we promise. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>